As we prepare to hear God's word, let's first pause and pray and ask God that, would, that God would open our hearts and our minds with a prayer for illumination. Lord, we come here from different weeks and varied experiences, from highs and lows. And I pray that as we sit here, um, that you meet us by your Holy Spirit, that you um, come and meet us and create in us a stillness that's ready to hear what you might have to say, words that are true and gracious. So I pray that your word, scripture, would be our rule, your Holy Spirit, our teacher, and the glory of Jesus, our single concern. Amen. So before we hear our scripture passages, I just wanted to say a word about the two passages that we'll, we'll hear. The first, the first passage is from an Old Testament book called Micah, and the second is from a gospel, uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And both these passages are about judgment. So the first passage in Micah from the Old Testament, um, essentially what's going on is that God's people, Israel, have once again kind of gotten off track, and God's hoping to bring them back on track. What's wrong, you ask? Well, there are just too many people going to church, so to speak, <laughs> or, or going to the temple. I saw a lot of heads pop up. That was great. And, and, and you might be asking, okay, why, why is that? What's going on? Well, it isn't that they're just going to the temple. It's the fact that they're just going through the motions, so to speak. They're doing all the right and religious things, but they left their hearts at home. Things have become familiar, and they've lost the meaning amidst the mundane, so to speak. And so God speaks this word of judgment. God speaks this beautiful word that God doesn't want their outward displays of, of, of whatever. God wants their hearts and their minds and their life to be shaped by a vision, a vision of what it means to, to be God's representatives in the world, mainly to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with God. So that's the first passage of judgment and what God's calling to. And the second is, is from the Gospel of Matthew. At this point in the story, Jesus has finally made his way into Jerusalem, received the welcome of a king, and as Jesus does, he goes right into the temple and the place where all the religious leaders are and all the things that are happening and uh, cleans it up by kicking them all out the priests and the scribes and all the money changers. And after this act, which surely punches his ticket to the cross, he stole away with his disciples to reflect with them on the last days and, and, and this, this theme of judgment. So our story, as we've heard, is a story about all the nations, Jews and Gentiles, um, coming before God's throne. And I think, I think one thing is trying to do in this is say, hey, pay attention. Being a part of me and being on my team is about being attentive to particularly the needs of the least. And being a part of what I'm about means that every moment is meaningful and every person is meaningful and every action is meaningful. And so as we listen to these passages, it's, it's an invitation to hear something about judgment. Maybe that mainly that judgment invites us back to live at home in our own hearts. 
and that it invites us to do right by the least of all, to embrace people with mercy and remain humble. And so let's, let's listen to those passages right now. The Old Testament lesson comes from the book of Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? This is the word of the Lord. Is 31 through 46. Hear this word of the Lord. When the Son of Man comes in all his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it when we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are a member of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, 
just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. So yesterday I was um, leading a funeral and a celebration of life for Anne Stressel, one of our own, one of the community and beloved people of this community. And at her funeral I shared a poem by a woman named Mary Oliver, and I just wanted to read part of that with you. She writes, when death comes, like the hungry bear in autumn, When death comes and takes all the bright coins from his purse to buy me and snaps the purse shut. When death comes like the measle pox. When death comes like an iceberg between the shoulder blades. I want to step through the door full of curiosity, wondering, what is it going to be like, that cottage of darkness? When it's all over, I want to say all my life, I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I have made my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. I love the way that this poem reflects on life and death, or perhaps better, on living and death. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. So much is summed up in this one line. I don't want to just have gone through the motions. I don't want to say that I never did anything with the time I had or the person I was or the talents I was given and the seeds of love I could have sown. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Instead, Oliver writes, When it's over, I want to say all my life, I was a bride married to amazement. I was a bridegroom taking the world into my arms. I love this. Perhaps we can interpret these words in a number of different ways, but first, I see in it someone who wants her life and heart and her everything to be united to wonder and awe and beauty. She wants to be committed to noticing the world that's all around her. And second, she wants to be someone who, who provides this tender embrace for the world, taking in whatever is, not pushing away or running from, but drawing the world in. There's a beautiful commitment to live her days with a posture of watchfulness 
and wide embrace. This is the desire on how to look back on our days when the end comes. And perhaps you have spent time wondering what your days will, will say when the end comes. And I invite this reflection because of our passage from Matthew, because our passage from Matthew is also about the end. And it's a word from Jesus about how we look back on living when that time comes. Just a quick recap. Two groups, Jews and Gentiles, gathered and then separated. Separated based on works and acts of, of mercy. The first group, sheep, are put to the right and enter joy because they saw God in need and provided water and food and shelter clothing, and freedom. This group is surprised when they're invited to the right side, saying, when did we see you in these ways? And God said, whenever you saw the least, you saw me. The second group, the goats, are put to the left and told that they are going to be absolutely miserable. Why? Because they did not care for God when God was in need. Surprised, they ask, so when did we see you? And again, whenever you saw one of the least of me, you saw me. This story brings up so, much, so many questions for me, and I don't know if that is for you as well. So many questions and, and trying to wonder about the Questions about salvation or our works and the relationship to faith and all those things. But I only want to reflect on one thing from this story that catches me. The thing that catches me is how surprised both groups are, both the sheep and the goats. The sheep are surprised when they are put to the right and enter in joy, and the goats are surprised when they are put to the left and left to grumble because they both saw God in need. And I think this is the point that's really important because it's the moment of the confusion, and I think the moment where Jesus is trying to draw our reflection. When did we see God in need? And this, this idea is something that's been at the very basis of what Matthew's been trying to do throughout his whole gospel, and he's bringing it around here at the very end. What do I mean? Well, let's go back a couple months. I know the sun's shining, but let's go back to when it was snowy. <laughs> I know you don't want to, but we have to. <laughs> okay, that was just a few days ago. Let me be more clear. <laughs> Christmas Eve. <laughs> Matthew begins the gospel of saying that Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel. And that, that God has come to us in a particular way, not flying to us on some bejeweled chariot or sitting on a majestic throne. No, God tears back that curtain of heaven, wraps himself in flesh to be with us in the lowliest of ways and places. Comes to the weak, comes to be with us as a baby, as fragile life, by way of a migrant couple 
who were the least and the last thought of and were in the last place they could be. God's first throne is a trough where animals came to feed. And the first people to come to adore him were dirty shepherds and far away people called magicians and all sorts of animals. Jesus lived the life the least, is my point. He wasn't rich. He was this traveling preacher who was loved by the have-nots and who was despised by those wearing the expensive GQ things of their day. And he he turns the tables upside down and our, our vision of life upside down, whether in his teaching or his doing. And from the first moment, his first words are to to bless and to honor the least and says that in God's sight, those who are at the end of the rope, those who are down and out, those who are weak, who have nothing, these are the treasured people. And when he stopped talking, he went and he walked to the low places, to the sinners and the sellouts and the sex workers and the sick, the wounded and the hungry and the hurting, the people who wish they had a second chance. And the people, maybe like you and me, who wondered about what their life meant when they get to the end. The God of all life became the least of all the world. And in his life, Jesus was hungry and tired and naked and beaten and jailed. And this is who God identified with. And by this truth from Matthew's gospel, we know that all persons and all of life is valuable to God. Even those parts that might seem despised and not worthy of notice. And now we believe and trust that Jesus reigns high above in heaven in the greatest of places. But he continues to identify with and live with each person, even in the lowest And Jesus calls us to an awareness that God is with these least among us. Jesus is telling the story from Matthew 25 about sheep and goats on the night before he's arrested or in the days leading up to when he's arrested. Just hours before he's no longer going to see his loved ones and the ones who will carry on the ministry that he's doing. And so he tells the story to really help them understand Jesus' ministry is something that defined who he was. His words, his thoughts, his actions were an outpouring of what was inside of him. And he's inviting us to do the same thing. And so I think that this parable has, has nothing to do with just proving something through good works and thinking that that is going to give us some ticket. Rather, it's an invitation to the likeness of Jesus. It's an invitation to continue what he started. It's an invitation to have the Holy Spirit lead and direct our lives, to ask the Holy Spirit to shape our hearts and to direct us in sharing Jesus and what he started with the world. And so I think back on Mary Oliver's poem about the desire to be committed like a bride to watchfulness and embracing the world. And I think Jesus really helps to define this for us. And I think that Jesus is inviting us to be watchful over each other and attentive to the needs we might have 
watchful for the poor and the stranger and the minority and the powerless and those who don't have much because they're often the least thought of. Watchful not just for amazing and beautiful and wonderful things, but watchful for the awful and the broken and the wrongful people. And I think Jesus is inviting us to embrace these people in parts of the world. Perhaps summing it up with these words. I have shown you what is good, to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with God and with each other. Jesus inviting us not to stay at arm's length, but like Oliver said, to move close and embrace. Now, I know in this there's so many other questions and things that we might think of and complexities to, to seeing people in need. And we might even fall short or ignore voices when we feel called to, um, to provide for those who are in need. But there is grace. And we believe in a God of grace. And we believe in a God who doesn't expect us to be perfect, but to strive to strive after blamelessness and what we see in Jesus. And I think when we just take away from this passage that we have to fixate on, on perfection and doing just good works, and when we begin to live in fear of being a goat, I think we might miss the point of the passage that Jesus is making. So in all, I think that Jesus is saying, wake up, because I know the tendency to just go through the motions. So don't fall asleep on watching for me in each person and caring for my needs. Jesus is inviting us to see that every moment and every person and every act we take is meaningful. And that every moment and with every person and with every act, we can take part in that beautiful ministry that he began and continues to lead us in. Jesus doesn't just give us a coloring book and tell us to go and sit in the corner. He gives us the thing so that we can do something here. We're God's representatives in this world here and now, and that is a great and wonderful thing, something that produces joy. And so at the end of my days, when it's all over, I want to say I tried to have my life defined by Jesus. I want to allow my heart to be shaped after his my mind after his, and my life after his. And I think that's the invitation to each of us so that together we might show God with our lives and God's love to this world. Let's pray. God, thank you for words of scripture because they, they speak of your son Jesus who showed us compassion and mercy and all that is good. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us to, um, to live out an example, a witness, an expression of him in our daily walk. So come Holy Spirit and be our guide. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.